So you guys can turn to Colossians 2. Uh, that's where we're going to be at. Um, so Colossians 2, 13 to 15 is where we're at tonight, and um, we're going to jump right into it because we ain't got a lot of time. So in verse 13 it says, and. Um, so I wanted to trace back to what this and is referring to. And, and la- last week, Zach um, brought us to where we're at today. And we see some grammar stuff that I thought was interesting. Um, in, in verses 10, 11, and 12, his, his main points last, last week was our, um, our present state. In verse 10, it says, and ye are complete in him. Verse 11 says, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. And then verse 12 says that ye are risen with him. Um, so I just thought that was neat that, that that's, if we're a believer in Christ, that's where we're at today. Um, but we're going to look at in verses 13, 14, and 15 today about things that, that we, we used to be, either um, before Christ or we're also going to see things that, that Christ did. So we're going to be looking at kind of some of the past stuff. Um, so I thought it was just an interesting breakup between the last week and this week. Um, so with that being said, we're going to start in verse 13 to 15. You guys can follow along. Um, it says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So hopefully you guys were able to see the, the, the past tense that I was referring to. But before we start and, and see what God says, um, I'm going to pray. Um, so, God, we thank you for tonight, and I thank you for this opportunity to share what, what you've taught me. Um, it's been a, a cool study. I pray that, that you would be glorified tonight, though, that, um, as these verses say, that, that we and ourselves are, are nothing, but, God, you make up all the difference. Um, so I pray that, that, that you would be glorified tonight. Um, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so Colossians 2.13. We're going to look at um, some other thing that I thought was kind of cool in the, the comparison between where we were at um, before Christ and then all the things that he did. So, so where, were we were at, where we were at is the, the first couple sections of verse 13. Uh, it says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So I forgot to tell you, but you, should, you could also open up to Ephesians 2 because these Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 pair really well together. And I thought it was super cool. Um, but we're going to look at um, how we were dead in our sins um, there. So I'm going to turn to Ephesians 2, and we're going to v- look at the start, verses 11 and 12. And uh, it says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. So verse 11 can be kind of confusing if you're not familiar with the circumcision, uncircumcision. Um, Zach, I think Zach did a, a good job last week of talking about the, the circumcision and how it's just the, the cutting away of the flesh. And in and, and the Old Testament, it was a, a, a physical picture of, of the Jews being separate from the, the world. Um, and now it's a, a spiritual um, for us in, in that our flesh is, is, is cut. So... Um, verse 12, I think, explains that better than, than I did, and so we're going to read it again. It says that at that time you were without Christ. So before, before um, our salvation, we were without Christ. 
we are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Alien, just another term for foreigner. Um, it says, we were strangers from the covenants of promise. So all those promises that Israel had, those weren't for us. Um, we had no hope, and we were without God in the world. So that's all, that's kind of a, a sobering, sombering um, reality. It's, it's, it's bad news. But if you notice in verse 12 at the end, there's a colon. And um, so that's not the end of the verse. And, and this reminds me of Romans 6, 23. Uh, it says, for the wages of sin is death, comma. Oh, nope, just kidding. Semicolon. Um, so that's not the end of the verse. And if, if that was the end of the verse, or if that was the end of the verse in verse 12, then it would be kind of a bad deal. But the verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's good news. And then verse 13, in the same way, there's another but, and it says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Um, so this, this is the, 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 brings it full circle so that, that it shows us what we were and how in our best state we were, um, we had nothing good to offer. But God has, has, has brought us together um, through Christ and through his blood. Um, and, and I would be missing an opportunity if I didn't share like, what, what that means. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, uh, we're going to touch on it briefly. It just says, Romans 10, 9, and 10. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is, the, this is how this reconciliation is brought together. This is how that Christ brings us um, nigh to God. Um, and if you, if you haven't done that today, then the rest of what I'm going to talk about the rest of the day isn't going to really apply to you. So you need to get that right. And, and I didn't explain all the details, so hopefully you can ask that in your group and you guys can do that tonight. That would be awesome. So continuing on, um, we're going to look back, at, back to our actual passage that we're in in Colossians 3, or Colossians 2. Um, the end of verse 13 just re- reinforces this. Um, so I'm going to read the whole thing again, whole verse 13. It says, You being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. Quickened just means to make alive. So we were dead, but he's made us alive with him, he's, and he's forgiven us all of our trespasses. So we've seen that in our best, we're sinners without hope and without God, but, but praise the Lord that he flipped the script and offered another way. So those are just two of the things he, he did for us. He, he quickened and forgave us, but we're going to look at some more things he did in verse 14 that gets a little more interesting, and, and I don't think you hear about as much, at least I, I haven't. Um, so verse 14, it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So what does blot mean? It's a word that I don't use ever. Um, and a blot is just kind of like a stain. Um, so to blot out means to like remove the stain. It's, it's pretty simple. There's some old writing utensils that, that were blotters, and I don't even know what, what those all mean. But um, older people probably do, but none of you are old, so um, <laughs> you're not getting it. But Psalms 51, we see that David... Um, after he had, had sinned with Bathsheba, committing adultery, he begs the Lord to, to blot out his sin. Um, and so it, he's, he's begging the Lord to, to forget or to, to remove that sin from him. And Isaiah 43, 25, I think, c- makes a better connect, or a even better connection. And it says, I, even I, 
um, speaking of the Lord, am he that flatteth out transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. So in this verse, blotting out is connected with, with not remembering. So with this in mind, uh, Colossians 2.14, we look at, so, so blotting out or, or forgetting or removing the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. So we got the blotting out part, but the ordinances is, is something else, else that I've never used the word in my life except in church talking about like the Lord's Supper or baptism. But um, the first mention of, of ordinance in the Bible is Exodus 12.14, which is, is referring to the Passover and how that was to be a memorial for Israel to um, remember the, how, how God delivered them out of Egypt. And then Hebrews 9, 1 and 2 talks about the ordinance of the tabernacle and, and all the details that were in that. And so I just kind of think of ordinances as something that's ordained of God, um, something that he put in place to, to remind us or to just be there for a, a, a statue or a law. And, and back in Ephesians 2, verse 15 and 16, we see um, this come up again. I thought it was, again, it was really cool how these passages paired together. Um, but starting in verse 14, it says, For he is our peace, uh, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the en- enmity together. Um, so we we see that, that, okay, in verses 11 through 13, remember that, that the Gentiles and the, the Jews were, were divided. But, but verse 14 says that, that Christ is our peace, and he has broken down the middle wall partition between us. So that, that division, um, he abolished in verse 15, in his flesh, the, the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances. So that was a lot of words, and all I have to say is that he, he removed the, the barrier. He removed the, the, the division between these, these two groups um, in our time. And he's made in himself of, of twain or two, one new man. And that, that one new man is also referred to as one body in verse 16. And that's the body of Christ. So all those things that we were um, without in verse 12, we are now um, part of, we are, we are one body and that is through Christ, and um, praise the Lord for that. Um, so it said, it talks, so back to where I was going to, the ordinances. He abolished uh, in his flesh those, those commandments, the, the contained in ordinances. So once, once we're saved, those, those commandments, um, we're still supposed to be um, a good person and, and stuff, but, but those commandments don't, don't hold us back anymore, I guess, because Hebrews 7.19 says, The law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. So the law, the law perfects nobody because we're, we are flesh and blood. We, can't, we are sinners. We can't um, hold up to that, that, that standard of perfection. Um, and then verse 27 talks of Jesus, and it says, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered himself. So, so Christ didn't need to um, offer sacrifices for, for himself because he was sinless. And um, his one sacrifice paid for it all. And, and it's, it's just amazing that, that all the things that they had to do in, in the Old Testament, they're, they're gone away with Christ. Um, so I'm going to go back to Colossians. 
Um, so hopefully that, that kind of clears things up a little bit um, on verse 14 um, and how and why it was significant that, that Christ blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us and, and why those things were contrary and why they had to be nailed to the cross. Um, so those are the first two verses and we got three. So the last verse is verse 15. Uh, and it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And I think there's a lot to, that goes on in this verse. And in the time we have, we can't go into it. But um, we're going to try to keep it simple. Um, so verse Titus 3.1, um, we're going to try to define what the principalities and powers were. Um, because it says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. So it connects principalities and powers with magistrates. So just like think of rulers. And then Ephesians 6.12 takes it one step further. Um, and it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And it takes it one step further from not just rulers, but rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So Christ not only made a show of of the, the Pharisees and those rulers in his day, but he also made a, a show of, um, of, of the devil and the grave and death and hell. And I thought that it was cool that that second song we sang, and, um, it, it mentions that, and I, it's not in my head right now, but um, it, it mentions how he overcame the grave and, and it has no hold on him. Um, that's right, praise the Lord. So looking back at verse 15, um, he, not only did he cause havoc on the physical rulers, but he, he made a show embarrassing the, the, the devil and, and those powers behind that as well. Um, so a couple verses to see like, what exactly he did and, and where he's at now, uh, speaking of Christ. First Peter 3.22, it says, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And this individual, Christ, who they're referring to, he was embarrassed probably more than any individual ever, and he was not deserving of any of it. He was beaten, mocked, scorned. Um, there's somewhere in the Bible where it talks about how um, it, it didn't even really look human anymore. And just to see where he went from that and, and being in the grave, and, and now he's in heaven at the right hand of God with all um, angels and authorities and powers subject unto him, um, I think, I, I believe that that is what it's, it's t- referring to um, in, in the triumph over, over them. And then one more verse to, to connect that. Uh, Ephesians 1, 20 through 22, it says, which he hath wrought in Christ, um, that he is God, so, so God had brought this in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So that's that's who we serve. That's the God that um, that that we have given our lives to, and, and has redeemed us. And so I was kind of thinking of of how do I kind of tie it all up and, and give you a conclusion that that is not just like a all right all these facts. Um, so one thing I think of, it, it should cause us to be thankful because 
running through the list again, we were dead um, in, in our sins. But what did Christ do? He quickened, he forgave, he, he blotted out the handwriting ordinances against us, he, he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, he spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, he triumphed over them. That's a pretty good resume, if you ask me. Um, so reflecting on my life, and, and this is going to, it might confuse you, but hopefully it doesn't. Um, the, I think that this should, should cause us to have joy. Being, being in Christ should cause us to be joyful and to want to share that with others. So reflecting on my life the last few weeks, months, years, I feel like I, I'm generally a person that is, is fairly happy and can have fun. But um, I think I often, I often miss the joy in life, and, and even after those, those fun times, and, and I like to play sports, so after those times where I'm, I'm doing that, and I was like, oh, that was a fun time, um, I go home, and it's like, it just, it feels kind of empty, because um, I know that those were worldly things, and not that they're bad, but um, they don't amount to anything, because you're just kind of investing in yourself, and you can use those opportunities to to encourage and, and to make friends and, and to, to bring people to the Lord. But um, I think the, the conversations that we have with people, these are the times that the, the spiritual conversations, the, the beyond the, hey, hey, what's up? Um, the, beyond those, those are what lead to joy and contentment and, and fulfillment for myself. But those are few and far between, so, so no wonder that I go um, weeks at a time and I just kind of feel like I'm just floating and, and, and it, I think it, points to what Jeff talked about Sunday, um, about how we're, we're busy doing work, but is that work acceptable? Because I, I'm involved in our church, but sometimes even in those times, I, I leave and I'm like discouraged for some reason. It's like, why is that? Um, and it's because I'm wondering, like, is my, is my work acceptable in the Lord's eyes? Um, a, a phrase that has come up quite often um, the past couple years has been the, that the only things that last forever are the word of God and the souls of men. So this leads me to believe that, that these are the only things that can actually bring us true joy and investing in these things. So this was a little bit off topic, but I, I just think like for all that Christ has done for us, that we should have joy and that that should be abundant in our life. And um, a verse that I think concludes this and, and shows this really well is, is 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, which is going to be our memory verse. And it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, for ye are our glory and joy. And, and just thinking of this, Paul is writing to this church that he has invested in and that he has, he has led to the Lord, and, and he is encouraging at, at, at that moment, and he's saying that, that they, they are his joy. And at the presence of the Lord, um, think of the judgment seat of Christ, what are you going to have joy in? It's going to be a, a terrible, uh, a scary time, as Jeff mentioned Sunday, but if you, can, if you can point to like these people that, that you encouraged or maybe you evangelized to and brought with you, I, I feel like those people are going to be your joy. And, and it just made me think of serving, and, um, and serving's great and it's important, but I think the Lord's going to be more, more interested in, in the souls that you brought than like looking like, oh, look at all these floors that I cleaned and how um, I, I got 500 square miles of floors I cleaned in my day, or like these 500 people that I brought to the Lord. I don't know. Um, that's just kind of where I thought, because I tend to be more serving and less, less investing in people. Um, so hopefully that, that made sense, and um, 
I just think it would be really cool to, to one day, um, when we're before the Lord, to, to just be able to see the people that, that we brought with us. And that's what the, these groups have been about. That's why we've been praying for each other and, and, and doing that. So I hope, hope this has been meaningful to you and that, that even when the groups are done, that we continue to encourage and, and have those meaningful conversations. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we can split up into our groups. Um, Father, I thank you for this day and just this opportunity to, to share what you taught me. And um, I pray that we would have meaningful conversations and that that would just be where we put our investments in and in, in, in people and, and in your word. Um, and just use the different opportunities we have, Lord, even, even when we are having fun. I pray that it would be used to, to bring you praise. Um, bless tonight. God, I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.